This is No Starving Artist Podcast. You deserve a successful creative life. I'm Anissa Benitez, a marketing expert at top companies and creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Share with me your questions and I'll share perspective. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is about essentialism. I learned about the concept of essentialism from Greg McKeon last month as I finished his book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Essentialism applies to both the material and non-material world. It is the systematic discipline for discerning what is absolutely essential to us, understanding your first priority. That might mean your favorite pair of sneakers, who is your best friend, what is your number one career goal, maybe your motto is family first, you fill in the blank, this is your creative journey. But knowing our number ones and what brings us the most return on our investment, the most return in love, the most return in joy, or whatever you're optimizing for helps you then start to eliminate whatever is not yielding that. Unlike minimalism, it doesn't require that we eliminate everything from our lives that we hugely downsize, maybe not removing much at all. But it does require us to become conscious of how we're optimizing to make the highest possible contribution and or move towards the things that really matter to us. As far as today's agenda, first on how this became relevant to me this week, Segment two will be my seven takeaways on essentialism. A little bit of a spoiler, but not too much. And last but not least, we'll be closing out with the culture wreck, which is clearly an obvious one this week. Finally, if you've been enjoying this podcast and getting value from it, your contribution through donation is hugely appreciated. I enjoy writing, researching, recording, and promoting this podcast each week, but it's no small lift and onboarding more help would be beneficial if you are willing to support and you can make a donation at anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash support. That link is included in the show notes. Also, I'd love for people to find this podcast. So if you've been enjoying and are not able to support through a monetary donation, your rating or review would be hugely appreciated. You can leave those on Apple Podcast. And with no further ado, let's get into it. How this topic became relevant to me, well, in the U.S., there's this very dark holiday as it has a dark history called Thanksgiving. And we follow it by another dark holiday we call Black Friday, which is uh, obviously semi a joke, but Black Friday, yeah, it's super commercial. And both holidays are conflicting to me as Thanksgiving has a heavy history of, yeah, genocide um, and the removal of indigenous people from the Americas and my ancestors, Taino Puricans, were definitely um, something, a group of people that I also reflect on during this time. And normally my family, we have Puerto Rican food, 
and gather, but it was much smaller this year due to the circumstances. We cooked more traditional food, and yeah, it was just an interesting day, and then I think my brother is jumping online to do some Black Friday shopping, which I don't ever really participate in, and but you know, this year I decided to approach things differently, and I said, let me test some affiliate marketing for Parachute Home for Black Friday. I'm not much of a shopper. I am a not very active consumer. I thrift and do secondhand. I try to shop sustainably otherwise. And yeah, but since building a social media following, I've been offered a lot of free and sustainable and ethical products, which I have been really enjoying. And I wanted new towels and my towels are about a decade old. They've bleach stains and holes in them so I thought to myself what's a brand out there that's environmentally friendly and premium quality and I came across Parachute Home and I got the products and they were truly amazing and I had an offer for them to also promote their Black Friday sale and I went with it and so if you're interested in towels or linens or home stuff I highly recommend their products they are ethical in their production which is great, and their yeah quality is great. I have a link in my Instagram bio for twenty percent for all there twenty percent off for their Black Friday stuff. However, however, this is all not a tangent, though it sounds like a digression because it's just a tender time for selling. I really doubt that people will go crazy for home bedding or towels, but. You know, it's possible, and I think that people's spending habits are not maybe the greatest because a lot of us aren't educated on how to mind our money and indebting ourselves in the U.S. for things we can't afford is actually so common. Our desire to have things that are new or to have things that we already own is strongly pulled toward because of marketing and advertising which billions of dollars were funded into. So I think that the minimalist movement that's rising now makes sense. There's this huge uptick in people eliminating everything and downsizing their lifestyle, maybe moving to a teeny home, uh, but just, you know, minding their expenses a little bit more. This isn't always the most affordable option to get a teeny home. Maybe it's quite a big financial jump for you to be able to afford that kind of transition But I know that it's coming from a place of people recognizing that so much joy is not found in these material possessions, which is quite exciting. That cultural shift to me to see it at such a mass scale is really exciting. And eliminating things from our lives at a material level can sometimes translate into us unearthing more in our non-material world. I think... It is nice to see people making love-driven decisions and shedding things that are not yielding them joy, love, shedding people, tasks, work. We fill in the blank and the result is putting a heavier emphasis and accommodating more room for investing in the things that we truly love. So I think that this is an interesting move. Minimalism, I, I appreciate it. I like the move towards it and I think for myself 
I never really had a good word for the way that I operate until reading Greg McKean's book on essentialism. And I said, wow, this hits home because this doesn't only speak to the material possessions, but the non-material world. A good friend of mine recommended this book to me last month. And yeah, I'd unknowingly been an essentialist. And based on the next segment, you might come to see yourself similar. And if not, you could see the ways that essentialism could be beneficial to you. As some of you know, I founded More By Her, a platform to dismantle the starving artist stigma. Each week, we share a new story of creative women shaping culture on Wednesdays, Wisdom Drop Wednesdays, for those who identify as women, non-binary, she, her, they, them, thriving artists who are willing to give transparency on their creative journey and how they do it. Follow us at morebyher.com or on Instagram at more underscore by underscore her. As I read the book in the beginning of October, completed it then, I had to do a little bit of digging to recall what my takeaways were. And to do so, I am using certain sources, looking at Be at Home in the World, um, an article called Five Takeaways of Creative for the Creative Life by Greg McKeon, Essentialism Pursuit of Less. I also perused and saw um, 10 life hacks from essentialism from slow with another w.co. I perused around to try to recall everything as I read the book via audiobook and sometimes it can be challenging to pull out exact quotes and so these were huge supports there. I don't believe that hearing these seven takeaways on essentialism is going to be too much of a spoiler for you in maybe reading the book, I hope. You are a unique individual. So my takeaways and reflections are always going to differ from yours. The term essentialism has various meanings and it dates back to ancient Greek philosophy when Plato characterized essence as the ideal form with essential properties. So nothing is perfect, but there is an ideal that we can move towards. And in a non-philosophical world, Greg McKeon is best known for business, for inspiring many big business leaders to acts and remove unimportant meetings and objectives and time wasters as there's a lot of that in corporations definitely moving towards more clearly defining what is essential and this applies really well for creatives too beyond the business world our problems aren't too different artists like and creatives like anyone else can be very distracted in our world of distractions and there is this ping pong like behavior that creativity can spur in us some of us thrive with this mindset of creativity being inspired seeing the light and sparkle and everything and running towards it and some of us can be a little distracted and overwhelmed the main difference with artists and creatives is usually we have more autonomy in our work than in the business world where it's usually always collaborative there might be more opportunities for focus for us to really focus and 
tune in to what we are creating. Distractions, though, can come in the form of social media or pursuing lots of projects that have nowhere to go or sizing up what people are doing around us, things that might be similar, or other life tasks might be a distraction, even our day job, if we have a day job. And yeah, there's just such a benefit from holding clear prioritization. So it may not surprise you that the first takeaway from this book is choose one priority. In the tech world, in working at Google, we like to identify all the tasks that we have upcoming and we'll prioritize them as P0, P1, P2, P3. Priority zero is the highest priority. However, that's not what prioritization is. It's not having a ton of things that are prioritized. It's having one priority by definition is the fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. Synonyms are prime concern, first concern, most important concern from Miriam Dictionary. But we're so scared of doing this. We're so scared of holding one thing above all else. But this is the foundation of essentialism. Greg McKeon says, non-essentialists get excited by virtually everything and thus react to everything. But because they are so busy pursuing every opportunity and idea, they actually explore less. So moving away from that kind of reactive spark and light and scatterbrainedness and moving towards instead a more grounded wholeness and affirmation in what we're currently doing is the goal and having one priority helps with that. He also says, instead of making choices relatively, the essentialist deliberately distinguishes the vital few from the trivial many eliminates the non-essentials and then removes obstacles so that the essential things have clear, smooth passage. So when you have one goal, you are working always to create less barriers to reach said one goal. You're moving in a very conscious way towards the direction of something that brings you joy. And right from the beginning, he stresses the ability for us to have choice to choose what we think, what we do, and how we respond, being really proactive instead of reactive. And this might be the choice of what we're having for breakfast, what we're working on, what activities we're doing with people we hang out with. The way the essentialist translates beyond our work by asking ourselves and evaluating everyday options. Two takeaway, which relates is how do you choose? Well, the essentialist says, if it isn't a clear yes, then it's a clear no. There are many questions we can ask ourselves when moving about our lives and making choices. We can ask ourselves, is this bringing me joy? Is this bringing me love? Is this providing me monetary value? We can ask ourselves, am I deeply passionate about this? Does this leverage my unique talents? Does this meet a significant need in the world? And one of my personal favorites is, is this moving me in the direction of opening me to more opportunities or closing me? Having this gut check is important because we can often rationalize or intellectualize decision-making so much that we get caught in a cycle of rumination. So 
being more intuitive, seeing if we are yesing or knowing, seeing if our body is opening to a yes, contracting for a no, can help us in making decisions. Maybe it's somebody asking us to hang out and we're like, nope. Or it's somebody wanting something from us, fill in the blank. You can explore that. But of course, first, you know, we have to explore and evaluate maybe things more deeply before making a decision. There are times we have to do a little bit of research. But that's the quality of being in essentialism. There's times you have equally good choices. And you have to make the decision to eliminate something that could be beneficial to you or impactful to you. The concept of trade-offs is critical. And I find Greg McKean is good about talking about that it's okay. It's okay to give things up. It's okay to trade off things. The show must go on. And your prioritization of knowing your number ones and what you care about most matters, right? So that could be trading off business opportunities for time with family because your motto is family first, etc. So you can be, you know, the richest person in the world. You can be the wisest person in the world. And you will always have this challenge of decision making. Three, takeaway three is we can multitask, but not multifocus. Greg McKeon shares this quote, what we can't do is concentrate on two things at the same time. When I talk about being present, I'm not talking about only one thing at a time. I'm talking about being focused on one thing at a time. Multitasking itself is not the enemy of essentialism. Pretending we can multifocus is... You must plan for how you focus, yeah. Ultimately, we create space for creativity. We create space for what we are tuning most deeply into. We can be simultaneously scrolling the internet and working on our work, but our focus is then sucked into one, then soaked into over. It's not an efficient way to work. Multitasking is overrated. Focus, deep focus, get things done more efficiently but yeah easier said than done especially in the creative realm so what do we do number four takeaway is set routines so we don't get caught up in unconscious behavior greg mckeon says the way that the way of the essentialist is different the essentialist designs a routine that makes achieving what you have identified as essential the default position So the beauty of routines is creating high-priority tasks in sequence. So we always do them. For instance, maybe it's just even a morning routine. To me, my prioritization these days is hugely on spirituality. And therefore, it is the first thing I approach in the morning as a routine. And waking up, meditating, taking a walk, dancing taking moments to listen to motivational speeches, motivational speakers, books that really connect me to my soul, etc. And human beings, we just thrive with routine. I love, yeah, just waking up and in that, then fitting in exercise. It's amazing to start the day with a sequence of things that are highest priority to us. Your mind wants that space to create too. If you set a creative 
routine within your life. Your body craves it almost like meal times. When you routinely eat at the same times, your body is hungry at those times. If you routinely wake up at a certain time, your body's clock is set to those times. So it'll be interesting. Maybe you're craving your desk at a certain time of day. You're craving to get to your easel. You're craving to hold your instrument. You're craving to record your podcast whatever your creative pursuit is, you might sense intuitively within yourself that desire because of the routine that you've set out of carving that space for creativity. Five, work smart, not hard, but with discipline, which is hard. This one is a bit confusing, but Greg McKean shares working hard is important, but more effort does not necessarily yield more results Less but better does. So working smart tends to look like working disciplined. We all are very clear on what busy work is when we're maybe in grade school or when we're younger. And there's random worksheets put in front of us and it's just like, teacher's out for the day. There's a, just fill out these worksheets, keep yourself busy. That's not a use, a good use of time, but it gets cloudier to us for some reason as we get older or we decide that you know what about checking my email what about that deprioritized inbox make sure there's nothing in there what what about instagram what's going on in there we can continue to find things to hold our attention that we see as semi-productive but are not deeply productive because they're not actually moving towards our highest priority sometimes we have to do less of those mindless activities. Number six, what problems matter to you? Greg McKean says, in the simplest terms, straddling means keeping your existing strategy intact while simultaneously also trying to adopt the strategy of the competitor. So here's where the strategic mindset comes in. We can observe and see what others are doing, but we cannot get carried away in that, especially as creative people, especially as artists, because you're blazing your own trail. Your uniqueness is your essence. It's your selling point. It is everything. And if you try to mimic someone else's process, if you try to completely replicate it, it's not going to help you solve your unique problems. It's not going to move you forward. But there is value in looking around, understanding what's working for people, how your work aligns to yourself, how your work aligns in the market, how you're positioning yourself apart or in line with competitors. All of these things that happen in the business world are a second step. And it's nice to have some awareness around how we're mapping towards that. But it helps also to know what problem we're we're, we're straddling and what we are solving first and foremost. Knowing what matters to you what problem you're working to solve uniquely what you're moving to share with the world is valuable because number seven last but not least takeaway on essentialism is on living in purpose not just simplicity he says of course we don't have to try to replicate gandhi to benefit from his example as someone who lived fully and completely as an essentialist We can all purge our lives of the non-essential and embrace the way of the essentialist in our own ways. 
and in our own time and on our own scale. We can all live in a in life, not just of simplicity, but of high contribution and meaning. This is my favorite because in it, he introduces the concept of highest point of contribution. Given that we all have limited time, energy, tension, how can we live in fulfillment? An important part of this idea is wrapped up is that each of us fall short of making our highest contributions if we let ourselves get pulled in so many different directions at once. This is true if if you're constantly creating activities that distract you from your work, if you're constantly pulled by people who want your attention time, etc. What is your highest contribution? What do you want that to be? This is one of the questions that can be very stressful. Purpose, legacy, all these things. But in this book, it assumes that you have already identified your highest contribution. And it's just about removing the non-essential things, all the other things that help us see it more clearly. I think that all of these modes of operating leads us to a similar path. So I hope you enjoyed these takeaways from Essentialism. To recap, the first takeaway from me reading the book, Essentialism, is one, choose your priority. What is your number one priority? In different categories maybe of your life, but what are those? Two, if it's not a clear yes, then it's a clear no. Three, we can multitask, but we can't multifocus. What's your focus? Where is it being placed? Four, set routines to not get caught up in unconscious behavior and prioritize all of the things that you love most in sequence. Five, work smart, not hard, but with discipline. Six, what problems matter to you? Seven, live in purpose, not just simply. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm super grateful to be on this creative journey with you, be eliminating, purging things, getting clear on prioritization. If you've been getting value from this podcast and been enjoying it, please support it at anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash support. That link can be found in the show notes of this podcast. You can find me at Anissa Benitez on Instagram. Follow the wisdom of many thriving creative women and non-binary people at morebyher.com. You are no starving artist. I'm so grateful to be learning and growing with you. I appreciate you. Mm -hmm.